Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Monday, August 29th for a special bonus edition of Hockey Night in New York. Stefan Rosner of NYI Hockey Now will be joining us. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? Well, it's nice to be back behind the microphone. There's a lot to talk about and yell about provide therapy for there there surely is and maybe we're a little late to the game but i'm glad we were able to get this in obviously uh, a lot of news and a lot of non news that i'm sure a lot of people around the country are not too thrilled about we're gonna dive into all of that but before we do ladies and gentlemen I want to remind you that we are proud to be presented by rj daniels american bar and grill located at 279a Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center. The best place to catch the game when you can't make it to the game. Also happy to be sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont. Another huge thanks to Thai Technology, a voice over IP company, providing phone services for businesses across the country. And of course, Oyster Bay Brewing Company, creator of the Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations in UBS Arena. And plenty more areas around the country, coast to coast, buddy. Carolina to California. Wow. That's right. Central Islip to Central Los Angeles. Sure. That yeah. That that works. Coast to coast. Coast to coast, buddy. <laughs> so welcome to this special pre-recorded edition of Hockey Night in New York. Not something we do often, but we wanted to cover what's been going on in Island the Country lately. So we set up the microphones. Here we are, but rest assured, <laughs> the live shows My microphone will just be back. Fell. Yeah, as, as Christian once again I'm tries to destroy the set. This uh, makeshift set that we have now. But yes, the live shows will be coming back as as per usual. Are you okay there, buddy? Just trying to fix things you're, here. You're ruining everything. I'm not. You're ruin- if only if only everybody could see. It's it's just as well we're not we're not broadcasting uh, on Twitch tonight. But yes, we'll be back to the live shows around training camp or of yes. course if oh, Jesus. if any Wow, you you are on Okay, point we're good tonight. now. Yeah, yeah, we're good. So <laughs> when training camp come back comes back around, which Lou Lamarillo did tell us that it will start on the 21st, I believe, of September. So we'll probably get things going full-time the week before, get you guys ready, back in the saddle for another full season of Hockey Night in New York from brand-new studio, Floored Media in Rockville Center. A lot of fun coming up. Very excited about that. Not just generic Long Island studio anymore. That's right. (laughs) Not just the generic Hockey Night in New York studio. Or a perch in the middle of center ice at UPS Arena. Right, yeah, we, we they finally kicked us out of Belmont. They, <laughs> they finally kicked us they out. They got wise. They're like, there's nothing going on here. Who are these two two guys that keep sneaking These two in? hooligans yeah. freezing their asses off at center ice talking about that. Who let these guys in? So, yeah, folks, we're excited. Uh, full season coming soon. Look, hockey's around the corner. We're it pretty is. much a month away from training camp. We finally got a peep out of general manager Lou Lamarillo, <laughs> for better or for worse. All of you probably just groaned and said for worse. But we're going to talk about all that stuff and... We'll, we'll give you our take on it and, you know, you agree, you disagree. Hopefully it's a little bit of therapy for you. And hopefully get you ready for training camp 
next month. So, Christian, what do you say, CA? Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, interested folks in, in trying to figure out what, what Lou Lamorello was doing all summer, and now we have an answer, sort of. I he was on vacation. He was, not, <laughs> um, he was in the beach chair. I mean, I... I, I we just so we did we we hopped on another podcast this week too yes and i'm trying to ranger be a, zed right ranger zed I, I was, which which i I'm, wasn't gonna say it was a ranger podcast no, so we didn't fine. lose some of our credibility no. hey look we 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 entered enemy territory they were very nice guys and, and and very strangely all of their names are ed i mean that's why it's that's ranger why it's ed. called ranger zed <laughs> which i like i mean that's but a uh, great group aren't, of guys, aren't they like, so we had a lot of fun. It was civil. Them, isn't, wasn't one of them like one's the uncle and one's the nephew yes, or something yes, like that? Yes, yes, yes. It's all in the family. It's, yeah. it's, it was it's actually quite cool. cool. They were all great They're, guys. It's the, yeah. it's the Van Halen of, of Ranger <laughs> podcasts, basically. It's all in the family. I like it. But uh, good guys, if, if you have Ranger fan friends and family, which we all unfortunately do, uh, tell them to check out Ranger's Ed because we had a lot of fun with them. They do a good job over there, so, you know. We went in there and it was fun, right? And what, and what I was getting at, I was, I was trying to be a little less pessimistic than I guess I was on that podcast. I think I was very pessimistic. You, you were pessimistic. You didn't have glowing things to well, say about the upcoming season. I, I mean, which is your right. I mean, when you look That's at okay. the team, and and even from like an object objective perspective, it's hard to get excited after the way the Islanders played last season. And I think as much as like, and I've said it before. I've, you know, we've had this conversation. I've sure. said it as much as people want to kind of blame. The COVID situation, which was is, is fair. I mean, the Islanders kind of got screwed there, to say the least, during during the whole thing. And, and, you know, the league basically used the Islanders and, to a certain extent, Pittsburgh Penguins and Ottawa Senators as sort of the guinea pig of how to handle that situation. Um, that wasn't necessarily why the Islanders weren't successful last season. Or when you look at the 13-game road trip, that wasn't, you know, that's a tough thing to do, but that wasn't necessarily why the Islanders were not successful last season. And I think kind of running it back, and I think I used this analogy on the podcast that we did too with, with Rangers Ed, you know, this isn't necessarily the Nets running back Kyrie Irving <laughs> yes, and, and this... Kevin Durant. I mean, this is a team that, while it has talent, certainly has some, some flaws that need to be addressed. And, you know, to... To try and look at it objectively, you know, I don't necessarily think that, I shouldn't say necessarily, I don't think that Lula Morello went out and did what he had stated his objective goal was at the beginning of the year during the draft when he said he was, you know, they were going to go out and they are going to make hockey moves and they were going to try and get better. Uh, Romanoff is, is a great addition. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are excited to see what he can do, especially as a young defenseman. But I think the constant that Islander fans and I think people that have covered the game, covered the team, and followed this organization for years, is not just this year, but for the last, God, decade, two decades, the Islanders need a, you know, a top six winger, or top six forward, I should say. They need a goal scorer. They, top three. They How have, about that? They haven't gone out and done it. And, you know, you can kind of write it off, and, and you know, we've, we've done it before, where, you know, it takes two to tango, and, you know, you need you need a willing partner to make these these trades happen at the same time every other team in the league has certainly seemed to be able to make some sort of move and so the question becomes you know how effective um is this offseason of sort of re saying hey look we still have confidence in the team and running it back i don't know i think that's the key question here and, and right now when you look at how everything's gone you certainly have to question what the team's outlook for the season has is going to be. I, you know, I, I know Lou doubled down, and I know that he, you know, expressed his confidence in all of that. 
and he he's hoping to prove a lot of people wrong. And, and listen, if you're an Islander fan, if you want to see this team be good, if you're looking forward to two competitive hockey teams in this in this market, three if you count the New, New Jersey Devils, who I think will also be somewhat improved over last year. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a question of where the Islanders stand in the pecking order. And right now, I'd have to say they are third as as far as going into the season among the three metropolitan teams in this in this area that are, are of where their success is going to be. You know, the Rangers are coming off of sort of that surprise run that the Islanders had done two years ago when they shocked everybody during the bubble and or even in 2019 when they shocked everybody by beating the Pittsburgh Penguins out of the gate and um I, I you know, and I think that team is only going to get going to get better this season. You know, you look at the New Jersey Devils and you go, they've improved their goaltending. They have to be a bit more solid offensively now with some young talent. And, um, you know, I think it's it's certainly, it makes the case for them to be better or much improved and, and possibly ahead of the Islanders. So I don't know. This whole offseason has been, I think, frustrating from a standpoint of being sold one idea and then kind of being told, well, this is this is the idea now. And going, <laughs> right. well, which right. one was it? Uh, because that's a little odd well no you're you're spot on there as much as it pains me to say in the sense that (laughs) no the truth is is that lou lamarillo has a little pie on his face a hundred percent and and you know and it's and it's all compacted by everything else that went on around the league too because as you said you can you can talk about not wanting to pay a high price to make a move you can talk about not being willing to do that or mortgage the future and 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 whatnot but at the end of the day, it's it's harder it's harder to accept that when you see all the other moves, all the other willing and dealing that went on around the league. You look at all the guys at Ottawa got to bring it, Giroux. Right. You look at you know just all just you know Fiala. There's there's all these names. I mean, I trust me, there was plenty of Islander fans that, that reminded us all <laughs> the list of, of the list of names that the Islanders we don't need to go through. It. Didn't get this summer, yeah. but. But that's what makes it hard to swallow for Islander fans, and I completely sympathize with that because, you know, anybody who pays attention to this team knows that they need more scoring. Now, could that still come with, from within? Sure, but I think everybody was willing to place more bets on it if, if, if they had gotten somebody from the outside, you know? And that's what kind of everybody was looking for, myself included. And yeah. so I'm still going to stand by the statement that I made previously before, before all the Kaji news came out was that if he doesn't address the forwards, it's 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 a failed offseason. Now, does that mean it's still going to be a failed season? Not necessarily. You know, it's funny you say that, too. I had seen a clip that was circulating Isles' Twitter and and so far forth from Spit and Chicklets mm-hmm. and how Ryan Whitney, one of the hosts over there, was actually predicting this to be a season of sort of, you know, recon- rec- uh, reconciliation for the Islanders. Where oh, they yeah? go out and they turn things around and they he go back. He the Islanders. <laughs> I know, which is why I found the clip so so in- intriguing, I guess, because everyone kind of knows that uh, the spit and chicklet guys do like like to kind of run clown on the Islanders at certain times. <laughs> yes, and so I, it, it was maybe it was a joke. I don't know. Mm. You know, I, I, don't, I can't say I listened to the full episode and know the whole context of it. It was just sure. a clip I see, had seen floating around. But mm. certainly it was an interesting take, too, considering where, all, where I think a lot of people are kind of in the same boat that we're in. We go, what does this mean for the regular season? Exactly. And it, look, I said it on the on the Rangers podcast on Rangers Ed. I wouldn't be. I could see the season going any which way, 
whether whether it's great success or great failure. Like I really <laughs> think the it's a broad range of like nothing would surprise me. Yeah. And and it's because of of all those those what ifs going into this offseason, whether it's, you know, who's gonna step up, who's gonna perform, how's Romanov gonna fit into the top right. four? How are they gonna round out the bottom bottom pairing? Is is Robin Sallow gonna be ready? Right. Is is Oliver Wallstrom ready to score 20, 25 goals at least in a season? Is Kiefer Bellows gonna stick around? Like there's a lot of things that could go well for the Islanders and prove it to be a very successful season because we know what guys like Paul Mary are capable of. We know what J.G. Pajot is capable of. We know what, to a lesser extent, Zach Parisi is capable of. Right. Even Josh Bailey, for all you haters out there. These are guys that can produce. The question is whether they will and whether it's on a consistent enough basis where they can score goals and compete with the other teams in the division, the other teams in the conference, to, to get into the playoffs. And that's been a big talking point of this show recently too is that it's a team built for the playoffs i still, i don't think we're, we're we're arguing that still but you got to get there first and yeah. we need to learn if this is a team that can get through an 82 game season and we also are going to learn whether they can do it under lane lambert yeah that's the big question and just before we get ahead of ourselves here a little bit too going back to the cadre situation yeah i did want to go back there what i think made the whole thing interesting and i think you know obviously there are going to be some fans that that hated the idea of nazim cadre for the money and the contract length and all that he's going into his age, you know, he's in his age 32 season or going to the age 32 season. So I, that's certainly understandable. I think where a lot of the frustration lies with, with people is not that necessarily. And I think we've talked about it too, where Kadri coming maybe wasn't necessarily the greatest move for the Islanders in terms of fit, right? Because it's, yeah. it's, you know, you need to make room for him in the lineup. He's a centerman. Do you put, keep him at center? And then who do you move off? We had this conversation, right? Yes. <laughs> what I think the frustration... We dedicated a whole show to it. Right, and then it got blown up in our faces. It's it's just the way of the world. Yes. It's the way of the world. Yes. But it wasn't necessarily that the island that he didn't go to the Islanders and, and they lost out on a great player, they, which they did. They did lose out on a great player. But right. there were certainly some questions, and, and I think we even had them. I think the frustration is it, again, relays or um, kind of reinforces almost the idea of are the Islanders a place that players want to come to? Because... This offseason has certainly kind of been the offseason of disappointment in terms of guys coming here. Johnny Goudreau, you know, we, we talked about it. He, he spurns the Islanders and New Jersey um, and goes to Columbus, which I think when you continue to look back on that, maybe was was his choice after not getting to go to probably where his number one choice would have been, and that would have been Philadelphia, considering all their cap constraints. Then you look at Kadri. They missed out on Kadri, you know, the failed deals to pull off, bring in some guys as well, and you know, it starts to reinforce that old idea that I think Islander fans had always, always kind of felt just going back to the Garth Snow days and, you know, the 90s yes. and all that is players yes. don't want to come here and play for the Islanders. You know, that's that's always been sort of their, their um, you know, that's always been kind of the thorn in their paw. They kind of earned, a re earned very yes. well earned, a reputation of kind of like the toxic friend in the room. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... As a who wants to go hang out with that guy or girl because we kind of know their history. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and unfortunately, for for better or worse, I mean, whether it's fair or not, that can stick with the team. Now, personally, I don't think that this, I suppose, swinging and missing, right. recent swinging and missing done by Lamarillo and the Islanders necessarily means that players don't want to come to the Islanders. I don't, I don't think that's a narrative. However... It's a fair argument for somebody to make until they prove otherwise, until they do bring somebody. That's fine. I accept mm -hmm. that. Uh, again, I don't think that's the case. I think there are players that are happy to come to the island. I think if, if look, 
We do know, well, at least it seems to be that if Lou Lamarillo was able to clear the cap space, Nazem Kadri would have w- came to the Islanders. And and that's a notch on the Islanders' belt and Lamarillo's belt, even if he's not a perfect fit. It means that they could have gotten one of the more sought-after free agents to the Islanders. So, again, I don't think... I don't think teams are looking at the Islanders and saying, no, I don't want anything to do with that place. I think it's just, it's a collection of of just things that didn't go their way, right. trying to bring a guy in. I think that's more that's more the case. And, and, and something that people kind of forget too, and I, I suppose it's to a little bit of a lesser degree because it's, it's not the summer, it's not after July 1, but they dealt for two fairly... Well-profiled free agents. I'm not going to say high-profile, but they dealt for J.G. Pajot. They dealt for Kyle Palmieri that all could have... Oh, at the trade deadline. Yes, but they all could have went elsewhere in the offseason because they were both UFAs, and they both opted to sign long-term deals with the Islanders, which means they wanted to stay. Well, J.G. Pajot, I think, especially... In this scenario, I think fits better, better is a better example for your point because not only did he sign a long term extension, he signed almost immediately upon being traded. Yes, Palmieri was a Lou guy, ex Devil, um, you know, someone who had been been very loyal to Lamorello for a lot of reasons, and sure. understandably so. So right. I don't necessarily know if that that kind of fits the narrative more of Lou goes out and he'll get an ex Devil to sign for for more than maybe should sign for. <laughs> um, so I think Palm uh, Palmieri, I think um, Pajot kind of fits that narrative a little better for what you're trying to say here. Yeah, and I think people kind of forget that because it's a signing that happened in season after a trade. But the bottom line is, it's a guy who could have had his experience on the island. But like, you know what? Kind of sucks here, right? You know, but he right. signed right away. So you know, whether you want to consider that high praise, low praise, you know, for Lou, that's you know for you to decide. But. I just, I don't think that, I don't buy this whole, oh, well, it, the Islanders still are a team that, that players don't want to come to. I, I think we're, we will eventually see an example where they'll, they'll get a more high-profile player and, and you know, kind of put that whole narrative to bed. It just looks really bad right now. You know what? I think the concerning factor for me, even if that's not the narrative, I think there's two kind of concerning factors here. It's, it's the narrative that players don't want to come to Long Island and play, which I think to to a certain extent is is a little overdrawn. I mean, you could kind of kind of point to yeah, it. I at really this don't point. think that's it. And, and I think you've kind of done a pretty good job of debunking it. But I think the more concerning narrative then becomes, if that's not the case, then the more concerning narrative is why hasn't Lou Lamorello been able to successfully maneuver the off season in a way that has made this team even uh, uh, Grant, I'll give him Romanoff and, and say he's made it a little better in that regard, but really mm. address the biggest need on, on the Islanders. And that's the top six forward, like we were talking about, top three forward. And and more importantly, why hasn't he been able, if he knew that was what he was going after, why wasn't there more of an emphasis to try and clear out that cap space quicker than, cause, because I, I certainly understand the idea of, okay, you don't necessarily know who you're going to get or how much cap space you're going to need, but you knew cap, sca- cap space was going to be an issue. You knew that you had a certain amount that you probably need to clear to bring in, in, in certain players, and you knew the guys that necessarily would help you do that, right? You look at Varlamov, you look at um, Bailey, you look at uh, Peugeot, you know, you potentially look at Bo as someone to sweeten the deal if you need it, or, or as a guy that you could move to kind of, um, help make some of that room as well. You know, you knew the guys. There was no secret that there were certain guys that you needed to move to clear that cap space. Why wasn't that more of a priority at the trade deadline or earlier 
in free agency when you knew that was come at the draft or, or anything like that. I mean, again, I understand. I go back to the point of we, we both acknowledge it takes two to tango in a situation right. like this. But at the same time, why is it that everyone can find a dance partner and Lou Lamorello and the Islanders seem to come up short every time? Well, it's great that you raised that question, Christian, because Stefan Rosner of NYI Hockey Now is going to join us. We're going to talk about it with him. So, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Stefan Rosner will join the program. It's a new Islander season, and you've got a great spot to catch all the action. R.J. Daniels American Barn Grill in Rockville Center. Inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio, you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big-screen TVs and in-game sound. Enjoy it all with delicious food, drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. R.J. Daniels is in the heart of Rockville Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down. Watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week. Hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. R.J. Daniels American Bar and Grill. Your home for New York Islanders hockey. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country. You'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516-856-7800. That's 516-856-7800. Or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com. That's Thai, T-I-E, technology.com. Thai Technology, the right choice for your internet phone service. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Oh, welcome back to this special surprise edition, extra special edition of uh, Hockey Night in New York. Christian Arnold, Sean Cuthbert with you as always as we continue our breakdown of the very unbusy, busy offseason for Lou Lamorello and the New York Islanders. And, of course, it's that time of the program on the line brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. And on the line with us today is the editor and chief of NYI Hockey. Now, of course, that's the great Stefan Rosner. Stefan, what's going on, my man? What's up? How are you guys? We're doing well. What's up, bud? It's good to finally Long time get you. No talk. I know. It's nice to finally get you on the podcast. We're, we're excited to mm-hmm. have you, especially as you're Scoops McGee over, over there all offseason. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying my best, you know. I appreciate you guys having me though. Anytime, man. And, and certainly a lot to discuss when it comes to the Islanders and, and sort of kind of <laughs> what we alluded to here in the open. And that was the very uh, busy, unbusy offseason that the Islanders have had. I mean, it's just been a a uh, an offseason of, of disappointment, if you ask me, Stefan. What do you, obviously, the big news or the, the 
big story now. Nazem Kadri not signing with the Islanders, going to the Calgary Flames for essentially the deal that the Islanders had been rumored to have offered him. When it comes to Kadri on the Islanders, Stefan, help us make sense of what happened because I think everyone's still trying to figure out why Kadri ended up a Calgary Flame and not a New York Islander after all this. Yeah, so there are a bunch of teams right off the bat that were interested in Kadri, the Islanders being one, Calgary being another. And it got to the point where Kadri and his camp didn't want to wait any longer. I mean, he's coming off a career year. If he waits longer and longer, and let's say Calgary finds a different person to, to sign, you might get in a situation where Kadri has to sign a one- or two-year deal for a lot less than what he wanted, and who knows if he'll have a, a scene like he just had. So I know a couple weeks ago, or a couple weeks prior to him signing with Calgary, him and his camp reached back out to Lemuel and the Islanders and said, hey, you know, what's the deal? Because we had sent to Kadri's camp, you know, we want to sign you, we just have to clear cap space. And the cap space was never cleared. Kadri's camp came back to you and said, hey, you know, what's the holdup? And we need to ask them to wait a little bit longer. Kadri's camp said, you know what? Calgary's been offering us the same deal you have. They've been interested from the start. I'm going to sign here. I mean, I completely understand it from Kadri's point of view. And Lula Murillo, we know he operates. He does everything on, on his plan, his timeline. And at the end of the day, you look at it, was Kadri the best fit for the Islanders? No. Was he the best player available? And will he have helped the offense? Yeah. I think that Kadri signing would have left more questions than answers and due to how you'd have to restructure the lineup. But you look at this offseason, and missed opportunities for Lou Amarillo to, to upgrade the offense. He, he did great things at the draft. He started his offseason great, getting Romanov, a 22-year-old defenseman, RFA, signing to a three-year deal, $2.5 million a year. You know, that, that's a player that can help this team, especially on the back end because they needed the help. They lose Green and Chara. But you never got that offensive upgrade that you needed. Again, Barzal coming into a contract year. This would have been the offseason to land one of those big fish, get them paired with Barzal, and see if something works out there. But nothing. Nothing has happened so far to upgrade this offense. Nothing indeed, Stefan. <laughs> and uh, our, our show leading up to, to that whole... I suppose, ending of the saga, if you will, ended up being complete nonsense. Nonsense. We did a whole show based around the hypothetical of, yeah. of Nazem Kadri coming to the <laughs> Islanders, and uh, it never happened. So that was fun. But I mean, I wrote, I wrote so much Kadri stuff, so I, I feel here. <laughs> yeah, everybody in Islander country definitely <laughs> got burned, whether you're a fan, whether you're covering the team. Yeah. It's uh, pretty wild what happened. <laughs> but let me, let me ask you this. Where does this, this kind of put... Lou Lamarillo. What kind of spot does this put him in? I mean, maybe, you know, you look at the optics now from the fan base and from the league at large, and also just from his, you know, his job to, you know, make this team as competitive as he can. He kind of, you know, leading into the offseason said he kind of had some goals to set out to to accomplish, which he did not. You look at that forward group that he did not add to. I mean, what? how does this make Lou look, and how much pressure does that put on him now and the team to have a successful season without making any additions on the forward core? It doesn't make Lou look good, and obviously Lamarillo doesn't really care what, what we think. <laughs> right, he cares about true. his hockey club. And again, you got to take with things that he says with a grain of salt. He came out uh, last Monday, and he backed his club, which he's been doing. He did all of last season, and through the trade deadline and the offseason, and he pretty much said, I believe in this club. Now, People want him to come out and say that he doesn't believe in this club because that'll never happen. Right. So, of course, he's going he's gonna to back his team and his players. But I truly think that a part of it is that they really believe last year was just a bad year. I mean, everything went wrong. You guys have talked about it. Everyone has talked about it. Everything that could have gone wrong did. And I think he thinks, okay, this group's gone to back-to-back -to -back 
uh, semifinal appearances, this group could do it again. Now, I don't know if they have what it takes to get over the hump. You're expecting better season from a lot of these guys in the forward group. But it, it leaves them in a bad spot because if they do have a year like they had this past year, then, yeah, it's a direct result of you not going out there and upgrading. But if they come around and their offense is a bit better, again, people think that we didn't, the Islanders didn't add to the offense, so their offense can't be better. But you did add a transitioner in Romanov. Another year of Dobson, Pulak being back healthy. You realistically, depending on how you break down this defense, I personally don't think Pelican and Pulak should be together, but we could get to that in a second, is that each defensive pairing has a defensive-minded defenseman on the ice, but also a transitioner. And those those players will help create offensive chances. Now it's about those guys last year, like Bavillier or Palmieri in the post and crossfire. This year, they just need to bury those goals. And, it, I mean, defense is still the bread and butter of this team. They're going to win those close games, but I mean, this offense has to have guys that come through in moments that they didn't come through last year. Talking with Stefan Rosner here on the line, brought to you our wonderful friends over at Thai Technology. Stefan, of course, the editor-in-chief over at nyhockeynow.com. You can check out all his work over there. Stefan, you mentioned the press conference that Lou Lamorello had last week when he sort of defended and doubled down and uh, on, on the decision or the decision that was essentially made for him to run it back. Now, um, you know, one thing we've been talking about during the show is that, while yes, I, I don't disagree with you that it's a very similar group that's coming back from having been to the conference final twice. And there should be some, some, I guess, leeway given because of, I guess, some of the weird scenarios that the Islanders had last season, to say the least. But at the same time, Stefan, when you look at this group, how much confidence do you have that they can take that next step or that they'll be better the next season? Because what I'm hearing and what I look at when I see this team, and I'm trying not to be too negative here, but when you look at it, it's a roster of, okay, guys that are somewhat inconsistent. You're basically asking guys that have been consistently inconsistent, like a Beauvillier and others, uh, to kind of find that consistency and finally bury their chances. You're asking a lot of of some of the younger defensemen that they'll have better seasons and that Romanoff is going to be able to kind of help that transition. And, you know, I guess the addition by subtraction of not bringing back Andy Green and Zidane O'Chara. How much confidence do you have as someone who's watched this team extensively now uh, in them being able to kind of run it back in a successful manner? Yeah, I mean, there's always concern level with the Islanders because, you know, the fan base hasn't had, you know, they had the last couple of seasons and they kind of got, not full of themselves, but they kind of said, you know what, look at this team. We're so close, we're right there. Last season was a, a one-off, but this team still hasn't proven they could play an 82-game season. Now, last year was not a normal 82-game season, and it was a very important year. You had the brand-new arena, everything went wrong. I think this is a more critical season than last year because, there's no excuses. You know, Cal Primary can't have three goals through 30 games to start this year. I mean, he was injured last year. Again, things happen, but you have certain guys that, that can't perform the way they did last year, or you look at Lou and say, okay, you know, a lot of people would say, we saw that coming. They didn't produce last year. Why did they produce this year? You're relying heavily probably on Zach Treza to play in every situation possible. Another year under him, he played well last year, but, you know, can you keep that up? Barzal, you need a big season from Barzal, but does Barzal have the pieces to have a big season? So I think I, I'm not concerned with the defense. I think I think the defense and of course Sorokin, they'll have strong seasons, but you, you got to score goals to win games. I think they scored 2.78 goals this past year. They were 27th in the NHL. I'm not saying this Islander team has to score three and a half, four goals a game, but they do need to score more goals than they did, and it comes down, like I said before, bearing those chances. So. 
confidence level wise, I'm very curious to see what happens at camp. Not in terms of who makes the roster. I think it's pretty much set. I know there's a lot of people that want to see, you know, Dufour and Rocky, you know, make the roster. I think personally, let them get some games under their belt in Bridgeport. Let them be first or second call-ups, what have you, Holmstrom as well. But I think this is the Islander team you're going to get. Maybe there's a couple of surprises at training camp or professional tryouts. I wouldn't, uh, this is just speculation. Like, I wouldn't rule Sonny Milano out from just being on the ice for training camp and people going, what's happening? Like, a professional tryout would make, it makes sense. Not even for him to make the team, just to push other players like a Kiefer Bellows or an Arthur Walsh and like, hey, your job's not safe. Because I think, look at those two guys. I mean, they're on the roster. I don't, again, I don't think Roxy would do for not how well they play at camp are going to start. I just think it makes more sense development-wise to give them more time in Bridgeport. But got a guy like Milan or even a, another veteran forward or even a depth defenseman, veteran defenseman, just to push certain players that think, okay, I have a spot. So, yeah, concern concern level to me, I would just be concerned that you're relying heavily on an offense that was pretty inept most of last season besides one line in the Lee Nelson Pavilion line from March to the end of the season pretty much carried the offense. Barzal did not have a good year. You could say what you want about his line mates, but if that's the center of your offense, no pun intended there, if that's the center of your offense, he's got to be that guy. And the question is, can he carry an offense? Because unless he shoots more, He's a playmaker. I, I don't want to compare him to a back into a veteran situation, but we've all been saying it for, for years. Even when Tavares is there, too. You need know, you know that duo. You need know that extra piece. You look at all the other teams that win. Yeah, they have depth scoring that, you know, those third or fourth liners score big goals in the playoffs. But it's those top lines, those top two lines, those, those duos on each line that, that have to – you need players to carry offenses. It should be a full-team effort, of course. But who is Barzal going to be paired with that brings out, you know, is the roster? I personally think that I would give that a go again. Again, you don't know what Lambert's going to do with the the, um, the strategic uh, alignment for games. Obviously, like we said, the defense is the bread and butter, and you would think he would keep the defensive scheme with a little more leeway. But, you know, Barzell can't do it himself. Is Brock Nelson going to be the Brock Nelson we saw last year? You know, is Andrews Lee going to do what he did last year? You have guys that were pretty bad last year, but you also have guys that were really good. Now you have to count on those guys that were really good, staying good, and those guys are really bad flipping a switch and you know age is a factor and, and experience too i mean wilson got pulled every time he made a mistake last year does he come into training camp at the time of confidence or is he scared if he makes a mistake he's gonna he's gonna be demoted in the lineup or he's not gonna play same thing with bellows you know there's a lot of question marks for this offense you know, you took the words right out of my mouth, <laughs> Stefan. At the end of all that, I mean, there's a lot of questions here for this team heading into the season. A lot of what-ifs. If this goes this way, if this goes that way, yeah, sure, they yeah. can still be good. Now, there was a name that you mentioned that perked my ears up because it actually reminded me of a, a recent piece of yours, and that's Sonny Milano. Now, uh, I don't remember how you worded it verbatim, so please correct me and set the record straight, but it sounded like you were alluding to Milano potentially joining the New York Islanders. Now, in this uh, very recent day and age of people getting uh, off the mark with calls on what Lou Lamarillo might be doing, <laughs> uh, maybe you can yeah. expand a little bit on that and just talk about uh, what, what leads you to believe that Sonny Milano might end up potentially wearing orange and blue this season? Yeah, so early in the offseason, you know, I had a conversation with someone and um, at the league, and he said, listen, you know, San Milano, New York native, there's interest there. Now, as the course of the offseason went, came and went, Milano still not signed. I know I heard someone on the National Network today say the Flames are interested in Milano, all these teams are interested in Milano. <laughs> and, and my piece um, early in the offseason was about, 
I don't think he's the right player to bring on, and, I, and I'll explain why. Um, you look at Milano, his game. And they, they, there's a reason why the Ducks didn't tender him a, a qualifying offer. That's the first concern. You would think with all the amazing things he did with Trevor Zegers that it would be a no-brainer to bring him back. Now, there were times during the season last year with the Ducks that Milano was a healthy scratch or he wasn't contributing enough, and that played a factor. So I guess that's an issue. But number two is the way Milano plays, he can't play a bottom six role. Like, he can't. He's a skilled player, so he's got to play a top six role, but who are you taking out? So, right. yeah, I, I, again, speculating now that Milano could be there for as a, for a professional tryout is just speculation there because, one, he hasn't signed, and two, New York native, and I three, I think he's one of those players that, no matter what he's done at the NHL level, people talk about his work ethic. And I think having a guy active, especially with a lot of young guys and you know, Ratu and Dufour and Holmstrom and Durandout, all these guys at camp, you want to see a guy like that working his tail off, not even if he's not going to make it. He reminds you of a Zarnik. They just go in the lineup, they work their butt off whenever they get on the ice, and having guys like that, it just changes, I feel like changes everything in the locker, and it shows, okay, this guy hasn't made it as an everyday NHL yet, and he's still grinding and putting the work. This is not going to be an easy thing. So that's that was speculation about him um, being at training camp, but I, I don't know why the honors wouldn't take a flyer. If no other team is going to, he's not going to cost that much money. You bring him on. If he makes a team, great. Yeah, you have a depth forward who come in there. Who knows? Maybe he could to Barzell. You never know these days. But I just think, you know, energy-wise, he's a guy that works hard, and I think the Islanders could use a guy like that at training camp. Okay, that'll be interesting to see. I don't That'd think be a cool story, too, Long Island yeah. guy and – all that. I, I well, yeah, I think I think quickly right away people are like, oh, Milano and the Islanders. And when I was getting a little bit of headway, I, I reached out to the, the guy I spoke to, and he was like, no, there's there's a real possibility that's going to happen. Hmm. But uh, apparently, there's you know there's a lot of teams interested in him right now, but he hasn't signed with anyone yet. So is it that he wants more money? Now he changed. Not that this means anything at all. We've seen players change their Instagram bios all the time. <laughs> he did. He does have New York in the bio, but that could also be because he's from New York and he's no longer Anaheim. I don't know. So I think people read too much into the like. I know Wallstrom took out. Right, I forgot the, what he had in his bio. Right, yeah, right, popcorn. Yeah, yeah you think, know, people love to stir the pot. I think I think a lot of players sit types on that. I know. I think Johnny Goudreau did it a couple of years ago when there were talks that he might get moved or whatever, and he took out Calgary and he went nuts, and then he put it back after the deadline. Like you know, players have to have fun with this stuff too. I know JT Miller. He was on um, John Scott's podcast. And he was not happy with all the train rumors and speculation. He doesn't have social media. He deletes all that stuff. Doesn't want mm. any part of that. But teach their own. Yeah, social media is a pretty dangerous place for when it comes to, to offseason. Uh, <laughs> the, the slow summers of the <laughs> NHL yeah. offseason. But, yeah, especially in Islanders country. Yes, that's that's for certain. So I kind of wanted to swing swing it back a little bit towards Lou here. And, you know, you're talking about the team, how they might perform. And one strength of this team is the goaltending. And I've been kind of yeah. parroting that you probably have the strongest tandem in the league with Agreed. Sorokin and Varlamov. I don't think any other team has a better guy that can fill your starter's shoes. If things don't go the right way, he gets injured, God forbid, or, or, or what have you. But in light of that and and this, this seemingly obvious situation where Lou had to clear out cap space in order to make a move, whether it was for you know Goudreau or whether it was for Kadri or whatever the case may be, a very unique opportunity arose for the New York Islanders, and that's the Vegas Golden Knights. Robin Lehner, he's going to be out, 
And it looked like a, a really strong opportunity for, for Lou to not only unload Varlamov's $5 million salary, but maybe even get something back because of the desperate situation. I would think that, that Vegas is kind of in with their goaltending. Now, obviously, you like to have a strength in the back end. You know Lou, Lou Lamarillo teams, defensive teams, Barry Trotz teams, even though he's, he's not with us anymore, but uh, Lane Lambert. He's not with will, the team I know, it makes anymore. it sound like, yeah, yeah, yeah no. stop doing that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Come on, Sean. Let me, what are you saying here? He's he's not with the New York Islanders. Let me let me be more specific. He's still alive and there you go. He's, he's he's enjoying himself, not working for a hockey team right now. But anyway, yeah. when you look at that situation, are you are you on Team Lou as far as keeping that tandem strong, keeping Varlamov in the mix, maybe a buddy for Sorokin, or do you think that's another missed opportunity for Lou where he should have unloaded Varlamov, got that salary off the cap, and then maybe Nazem Kadri right now is, is is waiting ahead to training camp on Long Island? So a few things. Um, so Varlamov, uh, people get a misconception that if we trade Varlamov, if the Islanders were to trade Varlamov, that they clear $5 million cap. But realistically, you got to bring a backup in. I don't think there is trust in Schneider. I don't think Scarrett's ready. So you're talking about clearing around 2.5 million. And again, every penny counts. We're in an age where, you know, you cap space is a crazy asset, especially at deadlines. But I will drop a little step bomb if I could here. Oh boy. Um, what, what is that? I don't know if I like you <laughs> labeling okay. yourself a step bomb, but go ahead. Steph. Well, you know, it is what it is. You got to self promote. Um, there was, uh, I'm not going to name any team, there was a team at the trade deadline. We had a deal in place for Varlama, but Varlama has a 16-team no-movement clause, and as is his right, he did not waive that. So, uh, What was the team? Yeah, um, not going to say that, but it's a team, <laughs> it is a team in Canada. Uh, I'll say that far. Okay, and I'm pretty, sure every, <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure every Canadian team is on his no-trade. I mean, he wants to be in Canada, but... Um, Okay. Yeah, I know, like, I know, you know, it's a little cold up there. I know Varlamov in the offseason spends his time in Texas, so you might like the warm weather a little bit mm. better. But you look you look at what happened with Vegas, and obviously they just got Aiden Hill from San Jose um, a couple of hours ago. And you thought, okay, it was a strong chance. I know Vegas, close to the trade deadline, wasn't just one of the teams interested in Varlamov, as was the Maple Leafs and the Oilers. Um, but Logan Thompson emerged, and Vegas said, you know what, Renner's coming back. Thompson can handle it. We have Brassois. We'll be okay. And I think today, you know, I think Monday, McCrimmon came out and said, we're going to start with Hutchinson and Thompson. And okay, everyone said, all right, they're not going to add a goalie. That pretty much clears that. And then today they add Aiden Hill. So it goes to think that Brassois is still is going to be hurt longer than expected. Um, Aiden Hill's an upgrade over Hutchinson. Aiden Hill had a bad year last year. But again, that's a San Jose Sharks defense in front of him. Vegas, I'm not sure how good they're going to be this year, but their defense should be. Just fine, but I think you know. Again, Varlamov waived not you know deciding to not waive his clause. You could look at it and say, okay, Varlamov didn't help the Islanders. He didn't want to move, obviously, but also who gave him that contract that had sixteen teams in there to wait? Um, no movement. It was Lou. I'm not saying it's Lou's fault. If he tried and it didn't work out, it is what it is. But you know, you had opportunities to move other guys during this offseason, a la Josh Bailey, and. Teams, I know one team said that to start the conversation, we want a, we want a first-round pick. And we spoke about this on last Monday and said, you know, no trade we would have made would have made us better. Now, the question is, how much was he willing to, you know, leeway-wise with Kadri? Was Kadri really something he desperately wanted? If so, you know, you look at draft picks, and obviously the owners have moved numerous first-round picks over the years. Pazzo, Palmieri, Zadak, Romanov. 
was there interest in moving another one? So you look at, you know, what it would cost to move a player, I guess, to Lou didn't make sense in order to get a, a top guy. Now, again, I spoke about it. Was Kaji the best player for the Islanders or the best available player? You know, that's a big difference. You're, you're about to sign an older player to a seven-year deal. Obviously, if you win the Stanley Cup in the first couple of years, it doesn't really matter what happens with the contract. But I feel like there's a, it's a tough sell to say that, you know, to have cap problems in August. You know, you had a bunch of free agents, you know, you had Goudreau, you have Kadri. I know JT Miller could be available still with, um, you know, there's a chance that him and his agent will stop talking with, with um, the Canucks if one season begins. There's speculation that that may happen. You had players that you could go after and bring in. You just didn't have the cap space. And it's, again, it's a very tough sell to have cap issues in August. Stefan Rosner, the editor-in-chief of NYI Hockey Now, joining us here on the line, brought to you by our wonderfully great friends over at Thai Technology. Stefan, I'm not going to let Steph Bomb start trending. I'm sorry, buddy. It's just, <laughs> That's fine. I got to try. I got to try. You know? I don't he, love it. He already has the hashtag in his dress. I know he does. <laughs> he does, too. Um, <laughs> We'll, we'll let you go at that. Stefan Rosner, really appreciate you coming on, on the show. If you want to give out your Twitter handle where people can find you and follow you for not only um, not only your hockey takes, but also how to find your work, feel free to go ahead and plug some of that right now, my friend. Yep, so it's at Stefan, S-T-E-F-E-N, underscore Rosner, R-O-S-N-E-R, and you can catch my work at nyihockeynow.com. Stefan, keep up the great work over there. You're sure as shit doing a better job than the last guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy sucks. Yeah, my, my boss keeps telling me that too, like every day. So. I, I don't. I don't. That doesn't that. surprise me. Yeah, that, that doesn't that, surprise that me. At all. Sean, before, Sean, before I go, I wanted to say I wanted to thank you actually for something. That, we had a conversation after I think the last time you were at UBS, where you took me aside, we walked into the parking lot, and you yes. said, "Hey, you know." Think outside the box. I know everyone's doing their own, the same thing, obviously, the way interviews and everything happen over Zoom. And, you know, think outside the box. And I really took that to heart this offseason. And uh, the site's been doing great. I want to thank you for giving me that advice. Well, I, I wow, Stefan, I really appreciate you mentioning that. It's my pleasure. You're doing a great job. Uh, over I was, there. I want to, I want to oh, point here out, we go. Well, I Christian, one, Christian, I was Christian. the one that said oh we should get yes. rosner on tonight so i know we're trying to i know we're trying to kiss sean's butt here but i will not stand for this wow christian <laughs> arnold once again being the heel that he is unbelievable no, in, in fairness it was it was it was uh it was sean <clears throat> but Stephen, we really appreciate your time uh, i don't know after all that nice talk about sean that we're gonna invite you back but it was great having you on buddy and uh and yeah always welcome back pal great stuff keep up know. the good work buddy Thank you, guys. Appreciate having me. Have a, have a good night. You got it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Stefan Rosner, NYI Hockey Now, doing a great job over there. And if Sonny Milano does not end up with the Islanders, you can all <laughs> follow Yell that at handle. Yeah, go to his Twitter <laughs> handle. Let him know and give him the business. So, Christian, let's bring it back to what we were talking about before Stefan jumped on that it seems like there's plenty of teams around the league that are able to get their business done over the summer to help improve their teams. And the Islanders are kind of off on the side. They're in the bleachers. Right. They're they're having a hard time <laughs> actually getting on getting in the game, right? And and it's a fair question and I think that's really, you know, ultimately what lose failure is. And and again, whatever whatever the finer details are, right? We're, we're never going to know, you know, whether Stefan was right and and teams right. wanted a first rounder to come along with Josh Bailey to take a salary on. Whether whether that's the case or not, that at the end of the day, Lou didn't do what he needed to do 
to improve the forward group of this team. And and I guess he looked at everything as a whole and he said, look, trading a first rounder with Josh Bailey so that I can sign Nazem Kadri. I mean, how much better does that make this team? And then you look at it from the franchise perspective, like not only, I mean, is it maybe not a lateral move? I think most people would agree Kadri would be an objective improvement over Josh Bailey. Mm -hmm. But when you, when you lump a first round draft pick with him or, or something of that price, I mean, how much is that moving the needle? And it's also for how many years before his contract becomes right. becomes an issue. So as far, specifically to Kadri, I actually kind of think it's a bullet dodge. And, and I was skeptical about that leading into it. But I kind of came to accept it. I was like, all right, well, looks like he's coming. He'll make the team better. We'll see how it works. You know, put the cards in the table right. and we'll see what happens. So I'm not upset that they didn't get Nazem Kadri. I'm just a little more concerned with the fact that they didn't get anybody to 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 help the Islanders forward group. And I think that's a, a big part of why Islander fans are so disappointed because yeah, they, they got nobody. And and this is a it's a summer where they saw a lot of other teams get their man, get better. And and it and it ultimately, you know, whether it's fair or not, given the assets that Lou may or may not have had to work with, he didn't get the job done. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 there's no other way to kind of look at it. And, and listen, I, I know there's kind of fans at every w- w- walk of life that, you know, some think that it was a complete failure in, of an offseason. Some think that, you know, people that think that going out and having making a signing or this or that maybe would have been an overreaction and that Lou knows what he's doing. The, the, the bottom line at this point is, and I think, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to find, again, trying to find the, the objective middle ground here and, and where things stand, it's hard to really look at what Lou Lamarillo said at the beginning of the summer and the beginning of the offseason going into this and how crucial this was for the Islanders to turn this around, not just from a standpoint of winning hockey games, but a standpoint of an overall business. Optics. Well, optics, business. And yeah, but well, that leads to more business. Right. Yeah. And so I think it has been a bit of a, uh, not a bit, it's been a disappointment. And I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to walk a line here, and it's, there's clearly no objective way to do it. It's been a disappointment for what, what's transpired this offseason. And, and even if you take away ca- the Kadri factor, and, and you know, I, I think you and I are kind of on the same page in the sense that it, he would have been an improvement, but it would have been, again, fitting a square peg in a round hole. And, and maybe that wouldn't have been the best move long-term for the organization. But right. you also knew that if you're going after someone like Johnny Goudreau, you still would have needed to clear cap space. Yeah, it, he had to unload at least one player to get anybody that people had their eyes on. Bottom and line. so that is where the concern kind of re is, is reinforced, reinforced. Again, where, okay, you knew this was coming down the pipeline. You knew that. Johnny Goudreau, you know, undoubtedly the best free agent on the market, fits the need exactly of what the Islanders uh, would have wanted and would have needed. You knew he was his asking price was going to be around X, and you knew that you were going to be jockeying with every team from Philly to, to New Jersey to every other team in the league. All, all 31 teams were going to try and get this guy. So there's no question about that. It was a matter of what teams had realistically had a shot. And to do that, to be in that conversation, to be really in that conversation, which depending on what you read and who you trust, maybe maybe the Islanders weren't as in that conversation right. as it seems and as it had originally been thought of, right? Because well, for, if you ask Goudreau, apparently they weren't in it at all, right? <laughs> and I mean, in fairness, what is you know what is of he really going to say? He just signed in Columbus, and, right? Um, you know, he, he he's not going to say, oh, I no, wanted to go to course. Philadelphia, which I think everyone knew he wanted <laughs> right. to go to Philadelphia, right. having been a South Jersey kid, and you know. I believe he was a Flyers fan growing up and all that. So 
the next logical point point using that logic would have been New Jersey, but the Islanders should have certainly been in the conversation for their at the very least success over the last couple of years, despite their down year in 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 twenty twenty one twenty two. But to go back to what I was saying, when you look at it all, yeah, the Islanders should have known that this was coming down the pipeline. Even if you didn't, if it wasn't, uh, you know, Nazem Kadri, it was Johnny Goudreau. You had to clear that space, and to not put yourself in a position where you could do that is alarming. I think. I think maybe listen, Lou could go out, and, and this team could be the best team in hockey right out, right out of the gate, and they could they could have made a you know. A, a, shrewd move and bring in Lane Lambert and his little tweaks could change the team and they could be in a team that plays 82 games and you know doesn't have that drop off in the middle middle toward towards the end of the year like they have in, under Barry Trotz over the yeah. last couple of years but it's it's hard to look and see that right now considering everything that's transpired or everything that hasn't transpired because it just doesn't leave a great taste in your mouth going into the season. Yeah, look, you make good points. It's again, it comes down to all those those question marks and they all kind of all the stars kind of have to align. Yeah. Can they? Yes, they absolutely can. I mean, look, October comes and they win their first 6 7 out of 9, everybody's feeling good. You know, and then yeah. and then hopefully the season continues to go. It's just it's just a matter of, you know, if all those those things can can fall into place and you know, just to to wrap up the my thoughts on the on the summer and whatnot, it's tough because Lou Lou didn't have a lot to work with in order to move that cap space. And you know, you raise the question of they knew going in that they had to you know shift some things around so that they can make space for whomever they were trying to sign or trade for, or whatever the case may be, which is absolutely true. The problem is the guy doesn't have a lot to deal with, right? And if he does deal what he has, the cupboard's going to be even more bare. Right. So I'm sure. He had a lot of inner monologue, you know, thinking about what he what he could do here and 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 what was worth it. You know, look, three first round picks in a row gone for good reason. Any team in their position would do it. They dealt them at the deadline for help, which ultimately helped. It is it is very hard to argue with the picks that they have dealt because of of what now Romanov remains to be seen. I'll, I'll say that. But as far as dealing for a guy like Pajot, uh-huh. look, those deals help get them to the Final Four in one season within a goal of going to the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, look, obviously the ultimate goal is to win that cup, but you take that any day as far as putting the first-round draft pick on the table. But the bottom line is there's now three straight seasons now where you haven't had one. Are you going to do that for a fourth time? Are you going to give it up just to get rid of a guy like Josh Bailey's salary? I mean, I think it's fair to to at least understand why Lou might be a little, you know, gun-shy on something like that. And, you know, you have you, you name guys like Dufour, you name guys like Ratu. These are guys that he could have put on the table too. But, I mean, you don't have much left if you deal those guys. Now, look, there's a combination of Garth Snow and, and Lou Lamarillo who are responsible for where their prospect pool is now, right? And it has something to do with some of the deals that they made and it has something to do with the progress they've made on the ice and in season. But, the, look, at the end of the day, they were limited in assets. And at the end of the day... Lou wasn't able to accomplish what we all seem to think he set out to do. And to get onto the optics point of that is, and as Stefan said, he doesn't give a crap about that. But I'm sure his ticket sales team are not huge fans of management right now because, I mean, I try to put myself in their shoes and try to sell this coming season. Oh, you know, all they have right now, Christian, is it's the 50-year anniversary. Yeah, It's the 50-year anniversary. Come celebrate 50 
up and down years of the New York Islanders. And they have no star, no acquisition to really sell them on. Like, the truth is, you go to maybe your average fan and say, hey, they got this kid Romano from Montreal. Forgive me, Alexander, but who? Right. I mean, and, and, and I'll be the first woman. I, I think I already have on this show. I didn't know much about the kid at all until right. the deal was made. And then I did all the research. I did all the reading and everything sounds great. And I'm looking forward to seeing him step on the ice. But that's not the guy you're, you're putting in your, in your you know, summer email saying, hey, guys, it's an exciting time to become an Islander season ticket, ticket member. Right. Because instead, everybody's thinking, oh, yeah, this is the team that swung and missed on Gaudreau, apparently, and Nazem Kadri and Fiala, and... To bring it and any other guy that could have helped this team. That's that's what fans are thinking. You know what? Again, fair or not. So it's it's got to be really hard on on the ticket sales team to to. I'd re- I'd be really curious to see how many fans maybe dropped off after the you know what ended up being falling on their faces last season, and then combined with what they weren't able to accomplish this summer. And it's got to be a tough job for them. But but look, as I said, I think this season can go any which way. And unfairly, I think a lot of it falls on Lane Lambert's shoulders and what he can get out of this team. And this is why I, I want to go back to the optics thing because I always find the business of sports very interesting and, sure. and, and kind of the whole thing. But I, I think that's why I've, I've kind of been saying I, I, since Lane Lambert was hired, basically, that this is he's going to be a great coach in the NHL. I don't know if it's with the Islanders because basically mm-hmm. they handed him a hot potato and said, here you go. <laughs> Good luck. Right. Uh, right. GLHF. And so it's like... <laughs> It's like, how do you judge him? And I think we asked Brandon Burke this. How do you fairly judge him on this season? Because mm-hmm. I, I I think that he's been handed such a, a tough situation to be put in as, as a head coach, in his, as a rookie head coach, right. that I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's in, if they have a bad season, I don't necessarily know if it's an indictment on his coaching ability. If they have a, if they have a great season, it's no. obviously an, it's a very you know good good showing that he's able to get, get out maybe more than what people thought he would or right. whatever the case may be. Right. But it's hard to put if they have another bad season that this is an indictment on Lane Lambert. And my concern after that would be if they decide, all right, they're only giving him a year to kind of turn this around or whatever the case may be. How does that reflect on his future job prospects? Because I think there are so many teams that looked at Lambert over the last couple of years. And again, it's the, the old boys network of the same four coaches continuously get jobs for no other reason than they've been NHL coaches and maybe they've been somewhat successful somewhere mm-hmm. else and so they continue right. to get jobs. Right. But you kind of want to see Lane Lambert be successful for no other reason than the fact that I'm tired of seeing the same guys over and over get coaching jobs. I'm so tired of it. it, it it's one of the biggest, biggest things. People like their familiarity. One of the biggest things that I have with, with the game of hockey, among many things, but... <laughs> The lack of, of sort of of imagination in the game and the lack of, of giving guys chances. I mean, you look at the NFL or even the NBA to, a, to an extent as well, mm-hmm. where they have new coaches, the guys that are, are coordinators for great guys, you know, to, under Bill Belichick or some of these great coaches, and they go on to be head coaches, and they get right. that opportunity. You don't see that in the NHL, and really... Lane Lambert is, is one of the few guys you've kind of seen come out of the come out of the the I guess the shadow, if you will, of mm-hmm. Barry Trotz and be like, all right, he's parlayed that into interviewing for coaching jobs almost every year and he's always kind of managed to find his way back to the island. But I'm, I'm Well, then that definitely is what makes it different than just promoting a guy from your AHL squad or right. somebody who was coaching in juniors or somebody who had a you know, won a championship in college. 
you know, this is a guy who's been in the league for a while. He's been behind an NHL bench. He's been in an right. NHL locker room. So he at least has all of that under his belt. But now, obviously, the change is he's the one who has to command that locker room now. Yeah. He's the one who has to lead that locker room now. And that's why you almost want him to be successful in the sense of, obviously, Islander fans want him to be successful. But again, you want to see that that success turn into other general managers and other hockey front offices go, hey, you know, maybe we have a guy, maybe this guy has been coaching in under so-and-so for so many years, right. he deserves a shot. Or he's sure. been down at the AHL level, and he deserves a shot. You know, I I, I think that would be such a I think you're seeing, good you're seeing thing. a gradual change. There are more new faces getting behind benches, you know, it, just it rattling off while. names just, like, you know, Blashill and Montgomery. Right. He's back in the fold feels now. like it's taken so long. No, it has. It has. It's been it's been a gradual thing. But, no, for certain, for, for many, many years, you see the same coaches being regurgitated and recycled. And, and I don't want to go off on a we John have. Tortorella we, to Philadelphia oh, tangent yeah. here. <laughs> but that, that, that whole thing blows my mind. We can talk about that I mean, another I time. I mean, John but. Tortorella was basically interviewing for a head coaching job the entire time he was on ESPN, right? Like, you notice how he really <laughs> right. kind of pulled his punches about certain things. I just things don't get and, the like, fit. Like, again, I, I, we can go off on a tangent on that. He'll be fine for, it. like, a year or two, and then he'll run it. He'll, run, he'll you know, that John Tortorello will run They're not going course. anywhere. Like, he's a veteran. Co- like, I don't know. I don't know why he signs on with a team like that. Like, maybe a paycheck. But either way, at least <laughs> at least with Lane Lambert, again, he, he, he still has familiarity with the league and with this team. He already right. knows what makes this team tick. But, he knows their personalities. Yeah. He, he knows how to handle them, to speak to them. But now he's in the, he's in, he's got the throne now. He's yeah. the guy who's who's going to be leading the way, and that's and he's going to you know be making roster decisions, ice time decisions. He's going to be making systems decisions. I think we're all very curious to see what the Lane Lambert system is going to look like, how much it's going to reflect Barry Trotz's system, right. and what sort of personal spins he may or may not put on it. Are we going to see the same thing? I wouldn't be surprised if he plays it relatively safe and keeps with a similar system that has had very good success right. in the past. And I don't think any of us could blame him for it. And given the horses that he still has, he may be forced to do that because it's a two-way game that this team has played now. You know, the defensive side of the puck, that's what's led to their success. So, you know, look, I wish him all the luck in the world with with the team that he's going back, going back in there with. But I, I do want to toss it back to something you said towards the, the top of the show. Okay. I do want to just point out, yeah, sure, though, sure. we talked about all these what-ifs and these question marks. You right. put in, again, what will Lane Lambert do as another question mark yes. going to the season? Yes, exactly. That's No, it's a whole... And that's why I wouldn't be surprised with, with where this season goes. Like, if you told me that they finished sixth place in the Metro, okay, I could see why that would happen. Yeah. If you tell me that they get the two seed and they get home ice, I could see how that could happen. Where the system works, Romanov fits in like a glove in the top four. They're generating more offense coming from the defense because they don't have two geriatric players back there anymore. <laughs> I mean, let's just call it what it is. Sure. I mean, look, I'm their age, so I'm not. In, yeah. I'm insulting myself as well. But it's well, you didn't have a what was it a decade plus NHL career? So no, 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 no. That I I didn't have. No, that's that's true. They command a little that's, bit more respect. I, I suppose. I suppose that that's probably true. But anyway, to to the point is that there are plenty of reasons where I could look at this squad and say, yeah, that makes... Because, look, Noah Dobson generated a 50-point season where he really didn't get going until January. Right. We're Hopefully, we're going to see More that Noah Dobson from October to April, right? And, and you hope that that spreads throughout the lineup. He's going to get more minutes, you would think, now. 
now that he's established <laughs> but himself. But again, you notice how all the, this entire course of this conversation, you would hope, you would think. Yes. You would, there's so, uh, the uncertainty, no, listen, I think. Yeah. Look, no, 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 I know. I am not a betting man, right. but to any of you betting guys and girls out there, I would not put money on the Islanders. Or maybe, you know what, the odds are probably great. The odds are probably actually. great. I would put money so on So maybe I would put money on But I'm saying I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet any guarantees is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't bet mean. any guarantees for where this team ends up. Like, look. We're all crossing their, our fingers that they're going to do great, and they yeah. can. Kyle Palmieri can score consistently throughout the year. Peugeot can. Bailey can to a degree. Uh, you know, Zach Parisi can maybe chip in a goal before January. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things that can – and look, I think there's a lot of pressure on Oliver Wallstrom. There's some pressure on Kiefer Bellows. It's less because he's he hasn't been as touted to this point. And look, they, they, signed, they signed him to a one-year deal. We're going to talk about those signings that they made in a little while. But I think he's kind of a bonus if Bellows turns into something because th- right. there's been multiple times throughout his tenure here with the Islanders where like everybody was like, all right, Bellows gave it a shot. It's not going to work out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then he right. kind of finds his way back into the mix. So hopefully his confidence in his press conference is merited because so. because if it is, then you it. know maybe you get a nice season out of him. And then maybe Lambert has to make some tough decisions when it comes to the roster. And... But like this, I think you know those are guys that you, you put a lot of pressure on here. Maybe even Robin Salo, if he ends up being your sixth on the left side, uh, he's a guy who now might have to establish himself as a full time NHLer. And I think what we saw to him is promising. Is he ready? Is yes. is a question. And and look, but but yes, I think the ultimate wild card out of all these what ifs and all these questions is going to be Lane Lambert and how he can basically take all those ingredients and make it into a successful broth, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be certainly an interesting development, I think, for everybody because you have so many questions and there's so little answers going into it that what would have made Islander fans more comfortable after all this would be to have something a little more concrete. Uh, you know, yes. getting like that's where it comes into the frustration of the lack of moves, the lack of signing when it comes to that top top sixth forward and goal scorer and all these other assets and areas that the Islanders needed to address. And I, that's ultimately where it kind of comes back and you go, it would have been one concrete thing that people would have known. Like you, you go into the season with player X, Y, or Z, and you know you're going to get, and they've been consistent, and you know you're going to get this many right. goals and this many points out of them and so there's a little less there's a little less question marks right it makes things a little more a little more solid going into the season which you just don't have right now right and to like i was going to toss it back to something you mm-hmm. said towards the beginning of the show where you were, you're trying to look at this team objectively yeah. and try to place them you know compared to the rest of the league their division and whatnot where they're going to end up and i guess i kind of just remind, want to remind everybody that Everybody objectively looked at this team prior to last season and said, this is a Stanley Cup contender. Even after Letty was traded, even after Zdeno Chara was brought in, everybody still said, this team that was a goal away from going to the finals last year is still going to battle for a Stanley Cup. Now, obviously, all of us were dead effing wrong (laughs) for multiple reasons, but... That's where the mindset was at. And obviously, sports are a very what-have-you-done-for-lately yeah, business. Yeah. And you're going to look at the most recent body of work and say, well, look at what they just did last season. How do you expect them to get back there? But the truth is, when we keep reminding ourselves that this is essentially the same roster. You may, now you're swapping out Nick Letty long-term for, for Romanov, right? Now right. he's your, your, your second-pairing left D, assumedly. And... <laughs> 
And, you know, like, and but you, you basically the same forwards, I mean, up and down the roster, essentially, right, for the most part. I mean, Everly's not there anymore. Paul Mary's there full-time. You got the young guys in with Wallstrom and Bellows and stuff like that. There is some change, but 80% of that roster is the same, right? And now you got Sorokin's going to take the reins now as your starter. You know, he's probably, look, safely a top-10 goal in this league. He might already be a top-five. If not, he, he's getting there. Everybody's talking right. very positive things about Sorokin, and you have a great guy who can step in when he takes a rest, when there's a back-to-back, if he's tired, if he gets hurt, whatever the case may be. So they still have those strengths in the, in the back end. It's just a matter of putting things together on the forward side of things, and, and they can do it. It's just I can't sit here and tell you that they will. <laughs> and, and not to play, not to be the Debbie Downer in this situation, but I would like to point out, when you look back at those two seasons that the Islanders went to the conference final, they were a goal away, as you mentioned, from going to a cup final mm-hmm. in 2021. I think there is some context that needs to be understood, maybe acknowledged a little bit more. That two the, years uh, older? Well, not only are they two <laughs> years older, I think that's 100% part of it, and, and that certainly impacts the window that the Islanders have mm-hmm. to winning a cup with this, mm-hmm. with this core group. But you also have to look back at those two years specifically, and you look at it and you go, the Islanders barely made it into the playoffs. They got, the, in <laughs> right, 2020, right. they got very, you know, not, <laughs> there were not a lot of good things that came out of COVID, to say the least, but the Islanders right. made the playoffs because the season stopped. And whatever whatever bleeding was going on at that point right, was right. kind of curtailed. They sure. had an entire training camp to get back to themselves and, and reacclimate guys like Paul, uh, not Paul Mary, excuse me, Andy Green and, and J.G. Pajot into the lineup, and they went on a, on a tear in the playoffs. And you know what's easy to forget? They did all that without Anders Lee. Yeah. Anders Lee was hurt for that whole run. Well, the 2021. Uh, no, you're right, he was, because yes. then he got hurt again next year. Yes. Yeah. He, was, he, he wasn't even a part of that team that was a goal away. Right, right. So he was, he was hurt in both playoff runs, too. Yeah, but the, the more recent one was when he was like, what was it? He, it was the game against the Devils where he had that weird, no, 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 weird yeah, collision yeah, yeah. His, and, he, and his knee was torn yeah. or whatever the case may be, and, and he was out for the remainder of the season. yeah. Yeah, no, he was not out. Not the bubble. Right, right. I think, I th- look, if memory may not serve me correctly, but I feel like it happened in March, maybe February, but yeah. it put him down for the rest yes. of the season and the, he missed the it, entirety of the playoffs. It was the first game, and I remember it was the first game that they had allowed, it was 2021, it was the first game they had allowed fans back into the building uh, at NASA Coliseum, but it was, it was the 1,000 Northwell Health uh, hospital workers and healthcare workers that they had invited to Look watch at you that with game. With the good memory, and so you were right. It was it was they got tied up and he kind of went down awkwardly and that kind of yes. ended because I remember that he was out for that entire playoff run too because I remember the story of him that Barry Trotz told when they were leaving on the team bus to go to a game in Tampa and during that that playoff run. He was standing on like the roof of somewhere or something and screaming and cheering as the team. Oh yeah, that's right. And so that's, right. that's why you're they were right. swinging their shirts. Yes, that's right. yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> I, I forgot about that until you just mentioned. It. But yeah, and then you look at and then to go, but to kind of hammer home the point I'm trying to make again, not trying to be the Debbie Downer all all, right. all of this, but right. they limp to the playoffs. They they get a, catch a break and then they get hot in the in the postseason again. The Islanders in 2021. Also didn't play a full schedule. What was it, 56 games or something like that? All teams right. within their division. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't see a team outside of their division until the postseason. Two, the, two, the first run to the conference finals, not not last, not the previous one. 2021. Was it? It was 56 games. Oh, yes. You're right. You're right. And they, only played, together. And they only played <laughs> in the, the reformatted Metro. Right. The, when Boston what, came over. Yeah, whatever it was called. So they only right. saw, what, eight teams or something like that the entire year before right, getting right, to the postseason. Right. So. 
that makes it a little different. Then you add on to the fact that it's another shortened season. They still limp to the playoffs for a bit, and then right. they turn it on the postseason. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of gets lost. I think that kind of gets lost in the conversation uh, when you look back. And it's not to say that those teams didn't deserve to be there, that they didn't, you know, play great and they weren't one of the hottest teams in the postseason. That's not taking anything away. But there's also that acknowledgement that the first year that they played a full 82-game calendar under under (laughs) semi-normal circumstances, I don't want to say normal circumstances because they were not, Right. um, you you saw a lot of the persistent issues that you had seen during those slumps and those those downturns during the, the... towards the end of where, where COVID cut the season off and two right. during that slump during the 2021 season. So, I, I, listen, the Islanders are a playoff team, no doubt about it, 100%. But they've never shown that they can play a full 82-game schedule for the most part. Since year one of Barry Since Trotz. Since year one of Barry Trotz, really. And even that wasn't normal because they were split in time between Barclays and the Coliseum. I forgot about that. That's right. But that's more normal. That I mean, that was to them. It's the most normal the of most the four normal, years yeah. of Lou Lamarillo. And Barry Trotz. Yes. Barry Trotz and Lou have Correct. never really had a normal season on Long Island. In fairness to them, but at the same time, you look back at some of the circumstances, you go, okay, but... You we wanted to, you don't want to take away what that team did, but certainly go you add on to that. Okay, what happened last season? How things kind of transpired the two seasons before that, and even in 2018, 2019 to a certain extent as well. And you go okay, there there were little warning signs here and there, and the mm-hmm. Islanders the circumstances kind of helped them out a little bit. Short season, all that. Mm-hmm. So maybe this team isn't exactly as dominant for eighty two games as, as they needed to be, or that. They're able to be, you right. know, I think that's part of the, the conversation too. And why, when I look at this team going into it, you got to add up all those different factors and go, mm-hmm. I, maybe that's why my confidence is not as high as it was going into last season, because now you have a full body of work again, not under ideal circumstances, right. Right. but you have a full year under full, full regular season under them and go, there were issues. There were issues right from the jump. And right. You, you can't even, you can't even use some of the COVID and, the, no, the, no, the there were trip. there were without question team performance issues, yes. without a doubt, and we've we've noted all those, and a lot of it has to do with the defense and having Shaw and Green getting a lot of minutes back there, and they just didn't look like the team that they were in the seasons prior, and and yes, do the outside elements play a role in that too? Yes, of course, but at the end of the day, they had an eighty-two game season where they really didn't find a groove. And even later in the season when they started playing better, did they play better? Yes. I mean, they played, what, like six games over 500 right. since the, the halfway mark or the all-star break, whatever it was, which isn't that great, to be honest <laughs> with you. But it was better. Right. They improved, but they, they still couldn't find the groove. Like, they didn't have that, what, 10 to 15 game either winning or point streak that right. they had in the, in the seasons prior, right? right. They, they never went on really a tear or run. There was a couple of couple here and there, but never really had that consistency. And also, I think it was the first season where, under Barry Trotz, they lost more than three regular regulation games in a row. Right. Like, that was a stat throughout his, you know, when he first got to yeah. the island, that they never lost more than three yep. games in re- regulation in a row. Last year, finally. They broke that. <laughs> broke that. And I think it was more than once. Probably more than twice. <laughs> but, but anyway, yes, it was, it was, it was finally an 82 game season. It had all those outside factors, but there were still a lot of issues on the ice. And, and I do think, that some of the more subtle moves that they've made will help in that department. I do think that Maybe. that getting younger and getting more mobile on the back end is going to help a lot. Uh, putting more confidence and more ice time into Noah Dobson's game is going to help a lot. 
and and I am with Stefan Rosner, and I'm pretty sure he stole this idea. I'm kidding, but I do I do think, and I have no basis for this other than just the way I'm looking at the team. Is I would not be surprised if they split up Pelican Pollock. Well, we've talked about it too. Yes. We, we've we're kind of on the same page, and when you kind of mm-hmm. look at the breakdown, because we were also during our our month speculation of all right, Nazem Kadri is going to be here, and and this is kind of the unit that yeah, that's you'll that's see. right, that's right, that's I think right. We, we did had talk this about conversation that. with Brendan right. Burke, so. Yes, I, we did. I, I'm fully with you that if you can split them up successfully and, yeah. and kind of keep the balance, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The interesting thing, too, you know, it's funny. You look around the league and you look at guys that have signed and who haven't signed, and um, one name that I actually kind of forgot about that maybe there's something to it, maybe there's not. I'm just throwing it out there because, mm-hmm. you know, he is the next devil and um, not under Lou Lamarillo, I don't believe, but you know, he's someone that that's been in the metropolitan area before, and that's PK Subban, who you haven't heard a peep about. No, and usually that when that's the case, they're connected huh. in some way, shape, or form to Lou Lamarillo. And I have to give credit where credit's due on that uh, to Tony Stabile, uh, the former co-host here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right. When we were having this conversation a couple of weeks back, he mentioned the name, and I went, I went, what? I forgot about P.K. Subban. Right. And so you have to think that possibly he could be another contender that maybe gets an invite to camp or maybe um, is He's going to be invited to somebody's camp. Right. Yeah. So maybe that's that's another name you could get on the cheap. I don't know. Maybe, maybe on the cheap. You know, it's mm-hmm. still P.K. Subban. He's still, you know, one of the better defensemen in this league, a little bit older now. and, and obviously, I mean, his game is tailed off. Yeah. There's a reason why he's not signed it. But you still know. one of the better defensemen out there on the market still. and Sure, I'll and you could, you could live with him possibly as maybe like a third-pair defenseman if you want to kind of have a little bit more of a veteran presence on the blue line as well. Sure, sure. Um, that was that was something that Tony mentioned. I go, huh, that's that's interesting because you haven't heard a peep about him. And, and even and even as and someone, when you don't hear peeps. Right, it's usually a Lou Lamarillo <laughs> connection there somewhere. Right. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting tidbit that I, I thought I'd, I'd throw at you too. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be, if not a subtle signing like that, heading towards camp, at least a PTO or so. Like, I, I've joked about this with somebody recently where, and this even goes back to Garth Snow, <laughs> but the Islanders always seem to add, like, that aging veteran defenseman just before the season starts. Yeah. Like, Zidlitsky was that guy years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and who was the guy they brought in? I keep forgetting his name. Oh, man. It was actually the first year of, of Lou, actually. He brought... What was his name that he brought in? He played for the Ducks, I believe. You know who I'm talking about. The name just escapes me. But they brought him in on a PTO, and he ended up sticking. And he, he played on the roster, but he was a fill-in guy. He had... Forget oh, it. I know who you're talking you about. Do. I, I think cannot like, think of the name. It was like an Italian last yeah. name, right? Something like that, right? Uh, yeah, forgive the, me. I forgot. It was the 2018 19 Islanders, right? Yes. Okay, but it's look. just something that they've always done where they bring in these <laughs> these these veteran defensemen that are kind of like, you know, on the way out as far as their career is going. But oh, even like Dennis Seidenberg, another perfect example. He's yeah. a, right? <laughs> Aging defenseman somehow they, sticks around. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. They, they've been doing I, it for a long time. The name you're thinking of, though, so, yeah, but I think it starts with an S. But either way, it's just something that the Islanders have done for the last, like, decade. And it wouldn't surprise the Islander me. way. Right. So, well, I of course, be... then there was the Radic Martinez signings every year. That That's an, an exaggerated version <laughs> of what we're talking about. They he would, sh- he would show back. up. He would show up every, <laughs> and, and, at Islanders Iceworks, remember, and you'd be like, what? That guy still plays? <laughs> They'd send a flare to his, wherever he's was hibernating. Lucas Spiza? Lucas Spiza. That's exactly Lucas who Spisa. I was talking about. 
Yeah. It's just it's just been their MO. So they'll pro- maybe Subban is <laughs> does have a contract in the drawer. We'll see, but it, there are a lot it's of just names. The name that, that Tony threw out. I was like, "Holy crap, that's a that's quite interesting." Yeah, I w- I wouldn't be surprised if there's at least one or two guys either sign like that or on a PTO or something Lucas like Pisa. that. And He's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Get your gear, buddy. <laughs> but um, you know what I want to ask you real quick about the the roster makeup? What's that? Do you think the uh, proclaimed best fourth line in hockey sticks sticks together this season? Does that finally get broken up? Does Matt Martin maybe see some time on the bench? Because he's a guy I know Islander fans have kind of been saying, hey, it's time for Matty Martin to see the press box a little more. I think I think as someone, uh, listen, Matt Martin I think is one of the most beloved Islanders and will be Absolutely. one of the most beloved Islanders of, of, a, of yeah. a group of players that have so many guys that Islander fans look back fondly of, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you look back at the 80s Islanders, basically every on, everyone on that dynasty team. You know, you look back at the 90s, you have the Pat LaFontaine, Ziggy Palfies, you, you can kind of go on. Even those early 2000 Islanders, you look at the Kenny Janssens, the Sean Bates still have a very special place in a lot of people's hearts. Yeah. Um, Eric Cairns, who stuck around the organization for a really long time. He's still, still, there. He's still there. He's still there. As a scout or head of scout or something like that. I know he was in player development. That might he be. He might be on the scouting play, side. I, now. No, I think it's player development. I think okay. you're right. Um, but I think Matt Martin will be again one of those guys that'll go down as one of the one of the more beloved Islanders in franchise no history. Doubt. With all of that being said, I have to imagine that that fourth line starts to maybe diminish in the sense of playing time or certain guys being out there because I think you saw it last season. It's kind of run its course in its effectiveness, and mm-hmm. I think there's only so long that a lot of those guys, especially especially look at a Cal Clutterbuck or a Matt Martin, where their their ability to kind of play that style is somewhat limited at and this point. And stay healthy. Well, that's what there I mean. Always seems to be one of those guys on the men. It's it's almost more rare when the three of them are healthy and playing together. And I think it feels that way anyway. That, but that's the point. You know, when when I talk about effectiveness, it's being on the ice at the same time, being able to do what they do for a consistent 82-game schedule. And that I just – you talked about age before with some of the defensemen. You also have to talk about age when it comes to that fourth line because, you know, they're not getting younger in as, as great shape as they're in and as as much as they try and take care of their bodies to stay as effective as they can on the ice. There's just mm. only so long that that style of play – is really sustainable for anybody. I don't care who it is or how well you train. I think the bigger question marks are, well, the biggest is is Martin for sure, and then it goes to Clutterbuck. But Casey Sezikis is still fine. He's still in his, he's still a fine player, right. still in his prime. I mean, he just got signed to that extra-long con- contract, whether you like that <laughs> or not. But I still think he's, he's a fantastic center to have, especially you know a depth center like that on your fourth line. I think the question is just whether or not they're, they're still able to kind of get the production, and when I say production, I mean the, the style of hockey that they play, and, and whether that's still gonna, you know, work out. Like, is, is Lane Lambert still gonna lean on that line the way Barry Trotz did, the way Jack Capuano did, or is that a line that maybe finally starts to see more fourth line minutes by comparison when you look at other teams? Right, the Islanders are a team who who've balanced the lines a little more mm-hmm. playing that line. Is this is is this finally? A time where whether the guys stay in the, in the lineup or not, if they do, maybe they start to see uh, a reduction in their minutes and, and they, they lean more heavily on their top six or their top nine. I'm curious to see if Lambert does something like that. And, and you know, maybe, look, if you're slotting in Zach Parisi on the third line next to J.G. Paggio, right. I assume that's what we would do for now, put him on that left wing. We- What's I didn't that? know hockey night in New York was uh, behind the bench this season. No, no, I'm 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 just forecasting. And well, I, you I'm said probably, we, you said we that we do. 
Oh, oh, so oh. I was making fun it of It was you. the royal wig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I didn't know we got hired to coach this season. Yeah, yeah. So, so. We'll be helping Lane out. I, I, we're here. <laughs> we're here if you need sure, I'm he's sure not gonna he's going to call. Gonna, yeah, he's say, not going to call. I'm sure. He's not going to blow up our phone. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, he'll be screaming yeah. up to your seat in the uh, right. in the 100 yeah. section. Sean, yeah. I need some help. Do <laughs> I throw clutter out? Guys, what do you, what do you think here? Zach on the third line? What do you think? It's like when a when a manager goes on the on the dugout phone, he'll he'll have a phone behind the bench that can just shoot text to us. I, I like mean, that. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks a lot. That's Lee. actually thanks, what the thanks iPad, for iPad behind the bench before. <laughs> yes. So I would I would think maybe if Kiefer Bellows actually does step up to the plate here, maybe that's where you see him. Maybe grab a spot on that line, and then maybe you see Parise bump down, and that's where you see Matt. I mean, I'm getting into fantasy land here a little bit, <laughs> but you I know, mean, that's, I'm that's just what, trying to project here. That's what we do, you know, if Bellows earns himself a spot, somebody's got to move, and then I think your first candidate is Parise down to the fourth line, and maybe he takes a little time away from Matt Martin next to Casey Zizekas and. I don't mind that at all. And also, too, it, it, it spreads out some of the wealth as far as the offense because we saw that Zach Parisi can still play yeah. and contribute offensively, and maybe that role is better served on the fourth line with the understanding that it's not as, as physical as it was made out to be for the last couple of years. You right. kind of move to a more right. hybrid, with like a lot of teams have done. You move to a more hybrid sure. model, sure. Uh, and, and you can slot some guys in there without having to be limited limited mm. to the Ross Johnsons of the world yeah. that are going out there and you're like, all right, Matt, Mar- Matt Martin's hurt. It's Ross Johnson or, um, you know, kind of taking away some of that, that, uh, that element of the game and you give it more of an offensive tilt a little bit. Yes. Well, these are answers that will come more into light as we get closer to training camp when it finally starts, which is only a month away. But folks, thanks for hanging out with us on this Ooh, I have special one point too. I buddy. We're not done. Oh, we're, not okay, done. we're going good. to break. Oh, sweet. Buddy, don't worry. We're going to pick it up. So, Love folks, uh, before Christian Arnold rudely interrupted me, want to thank <laughs> you for tuning in to this special edition, bonus edition, pre-recorded edition of Hockey Night in New York on your favorite podcast providers. We will still be broadcasting live from twitch.tv slash hockey night NY as we get into September for training camp. But thanks a lot for hanging out with us. We're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come back and talk more on this hockey. You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer, and Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations in the Islanders' brand new home, UBS Arena. And because Oyster Bay has increased distribution across the country, you can grab your Barn Rocker from Carolina to California if you're following the team on the road. Here at home, the tap room on 36 Audrey Avenue is open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating so you can experience their smooth honey ale, savory IPA, or gluten-free hard seltzers right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code HNINY at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. Hey Islander fans, you already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal, and now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, 
opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to a special bonus edition here of Hockey Night in New York, talking about all the things the Islanders didn't do in the <laughs> in the offseason, the fallout, and, and where that leaves the team heading into training camp just about a month away. So, Christian, let's pick it up where we left off. You had a point you wanted to make, so now you have the floor, sir. Make that point. I, I, no, it wasn't even a <laughs> point. It was just a tidbit. It was just an acknowledgement. The Islanders' 50th season, 50th anniversary coming up this year, and I think... As we mentioned. As we mentioned, and I think that you look at what the New York Mets were able to do this past weekend with their old-timers day. Their first oh, one since yeah, 1994. Oh, yeah, I did see some stuff about that. Yeah. And it was so well done um, between the ceremonies, the having all, all you know guys from different eras of Mets history back at City Field, back in Queens, and then, of course, the retirement, the surprise retirement of Willie Mays. Yeah, I saw that. Which was a real... A real treat, I think, for anybody was that that was there, and you saw his son Michael was was in attendance because Willie Mays wasn't able to be there in person, mm. um, and you saw how much that meant to just the family and all that. Sure, um, but it was a fantastic ceremony and really well done, and and it kind of made me think and and kind of look back or look forward to or, to what the Islanders will do for their fiftieth anniversary, oh, yeah. and you would hope that they roll out the red carpet. John Ledecky and Scott Malkin have made they such will. an effort to re-engage with the past. You look at the alumni weekends that they've done over the last uh, three, four years of their stewardship of the franchise yep. now, and yep. um, you know the alumni game that they had last season with the Rangers alumni, yes. which was a great tradition. And then wish they had it gone, yeah. And something I hope that the Islanders do more on a consistent basis. You know. It was funny. Uh, was Daryl Strawberry Doc Gooden that was on the podium uh, at City Field, and he had joked that that they were they played a game they played against themselves, like the other Met greats. Mm. But he was like, should have had the Yankee Oldtimers there, right? That would have been a fun little tradition yeah, for, that the, for been the Mets awesome. and the Yankees. Yeah. But then you look at what the Islanders and Rangers do, and you go, oh, that would be a great tradition to have. Maybe not every year. Maybe you do it every five years or something sure. like that, or three years. Uh, if you don't want to do it every year, because mm. I think that would be such a treat for everybody that went to that. I know Stefan, who, who we had on earlier in the show, he was there and covered it, and he oh, nice. said it was such a nice event put on, well done by the Islanders mm. out out at Northwell and the perfect spot, I think, where because there are so many Islander and Ranger fans out on Long Island. Right. You hope to see something along those lines return this season. You hope to see a lot of different big spectacles for the 50th anniversary. Obviously, the acknowledgement of the cup the cup winning teams but also more of an acknowledgement like they've done in the past more recently of the 93 team bringing back members that those early 2000s teams that maybe didn't win but you know sure. they were heart and soul guys for the islanders and sure um you know they 
loved putting on that Islander sweater, even though they were there for some really tough years without a yeah. question. Um, and maybe some surprise elements like you saw with the Willie Mays retirement. I'm sure there's still a couple numbers that the Islander fans would love to see hanging from the rafters at now UBS Arena, and that could be something that could be mixed into it. Really, it just got me thinking of... Uh, John Ledecky and Scott Malkin have done such a good job of being steward, stewards, not only right. the history of the organization, um, but bringing back that connection between the alumni in a similar way that Charles Wong had uh, and Sanjay Kumar had originally done when they mm-hmm. first purchased the franchise in those early 2000s. And you hope that that really extends to this 50th anniversary season where they, they pull out all the stops for, uh, for, for this team. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think they've done a very good job of, of harkening back to the history, but not just the Cup dynasty, right. not just the Cup years. Getting guys, like you said, from other eras, which I think is great, and just some of the names, right? Like when they have that alumni night, when they bring the players into you know UBS, mm-hmm. when, they're, when they're hosting a the game, you're like, my God, I haven't heard that name in years. I forgot to even play for the Islanders. And <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's guys who like literally dress for like one three game. games, yeah. and you, ne- they, you never heard from them again, you know? But I think that's great. And it's got to be a good feeling for those players, too, where it's like, hey, even though my stint was short or whatever the case may be, like it's nice to you know, kind of be recognized and remembered and, and, and be treated to a nice little night. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's pretty cool. So Especially with the passing of, of several players this this, yeah. this, saw, this season. Right. You know, right. Mike Bossy obviously passing away. Clark Gillies passing away. Um, you know, there's plenty of room in that plaza, perhaps, that some of these guys deserve perhaps a statue or something like the Mets had done with Tom Seaver this past season uh, on opening night or opening day in Queens. I think at the very least, I don't think we're going to see any surprise number retirements, but... Uh, I think yeah. you might see some, you know, the, the Islanders Hall of Fame, maybe the latter name or two mm-hmm. there. There's probably a, a couple of guys you can make an argument for that belong there for one reason or another. I don't think Ziggy Palfi's in there. I don't, there's there's probably some names if you went through the ro- all-time roster and like, oh, he's not there. Oh, right. He's not there, right. you know? So maybe maybe you see something like that where uh, you get some guys added to that list. But but I, I, I think they're going to do a lot. As far as the, the the anniversary goes, I think they're going to do plenty to to celebrate past players. They're probably going to have you know different events throughout the year to to celebrate. I mean, I haven't really paid attention to what other teams have done for their fifty year anniversaries outside of where you see like a nice little patch in the jersey, maybe wear some throwback jerseys and stuff right. like that. I don't, I don't even know if they have plans to do anything like that as far as the jerseys go. I know they're going to wear a patch, right. but and they, there's going to be their you know league mandated reverse retro jerseys, yep. but are they gonna you know, maybe where I'm not to say that you have a lot to choose from or, and a lot of good ones to choose from, but will they, they bring th- back the Halloween jersey? You're right. Will they bring back the Halloween jersey? I don't know. I don't see any reason to do that. But when, but when, <laughs> well, when you say the Halloween jersey, are you talking about the black one or are you talking about the orange one? I'm talking about both. Oh, you could, you could, there's the, they, and people there's used the, to call the orange one the pumpkin jersey. The, I remember that. There's the pumpkin jersey, and then there's the, the god awful, horrific yeah. black one. You could one. qualify both as the Halloween jersey, really. I guess so. The orange um, one was better, but you know what? I, I think, too, uh, being creative or trying to be creative and having a little fun with it, you look and you go, you could presumably wear, you could have like the different jerseys from the different eras that you wear for one game. I think the Canucks did that. I think Which for their cool. anniversary. I, th- I forget. I don't, not, I I don't think know. I think they just hit 50 within the last couple. It might have even been last year. But uh, the last couple of years, I thought Vancouver hit 50, and they wore maybe a couple of jerseys from the past. I don't know if they did all of them. Because, it, look, everybody would have made a stink about it if they wore those ones with, like, the oh, V God, and yeah. stuff like that. Like, that would have been a lot of fun. But 
You know, maybe they will. I don't know. But I think that would be cool when you look at... I, I, listen, I know there have been some bad jerseys. Yep. For sure. And everyone kind of <laughs> has a different perspective on which jerseys right. are bad and right, which weren't. Right. And that's all fine. But to have a little fun with it, you know, go back and just acknowledge that part of team history. The fishermen, um, you know, the god-awful black jerseys, the Halloween pumpkin jerseys, the Brooklyn... All black Brooklyn jerseys. Black jerseys yeah. um, you know, the Stadium Series jerseys, which eventually became their third jerseys for a short period of those time. Those are cool. Um, I dug those. You know, there are all these little elements that I, I go into it, and I, I think could be a cool homage, if you will, to kind of some of the different it. periods yeah, of, have fun with of, it. of Islander history. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, whether there's good memories or bad memories tied in with some of those eras, but a lot of people got their start during different eras on this team. You know, whether it was during the dynasty, whether it was before the dynasty, yeah. whether it was in that interesting post-dynasty late 80s years and early 90s before they became the laughing stock that they were throughout the mid to late 90s. Uh, you know, like they were still a well-respected team. They were still they still had players from the dynasty playing for those teams. They just weren't winning cups anymore. But, you know, you have all these different jerseys that represent all those different times. And even like some of the subtle changes that they made over the years, you know, we joked about it. What was it? Was with Andrew Andrew Gross when we had him on the last time. We joked about how they added the fourth, the yes. fourth uh, line of tape yeah. on the stick, you know. And then and they wore navy for a couple of years. I used to love those jerseys, the early two thousands jerseys where they wore, it was, they went to navy blue and they had the four stripes in the shoulders. I mean that is hit or miss, but I thought those jerseys <laughs> were pretty cool. The the navy ones. What I'm what I'm curious about too. I don't know if this was last season or not. Was is Bridgeport's. 10th anniversary also or 20th anniversary or whatever it would be i honestly have no idea but it would definitely be more than 10 years a 20th anniversary yeah then. would that fall this season or did it fall last season honestly i don't know uh, i don't pay enough attention no no, no i figured <laughs> it's a bridge <laughs> but i know they were a franchise in 2021 uh 2000 2001 or 2001 2002 i forget how that operated but well i'm pretty sure they began after wong bought the team and he he basically brought the Sound Tigers into the mix, and they started playing at Bridgeport. Like you know, I'm, I'm pretty. I don't think there was a team there prior to the Islanders. I think it was kind of created by the Islanders, and they put them in Bridgeport, and they were the Sound Tigers for you know up until what two years ago, a year, two years ago, yeah. whatever it is. But um, you know, I, I so you got to figure we're right around that mark though, because because Wong took over the team what just before the 2000 season, I think, if memory serves, 98, 99, yeah. I want to say. Maybe ninety nine, two thousand, whatever it is, and the Sound Tigers weren't that far behind. Yeah, so they were they were started in oh one, oh two, and they there were purchased go. by the Islanders in oh four. Okay, so maybe they were a team previously, because, and they were, oh, they were purchased. Okay, yeah, because hmm. they were they were formed in in oh one. Okay, so they were they were brand new. That's what I thought. Okay, so that was their first season as the Sound Tigers, and um, they had blue, black, and yellow in their jerseys. I don't remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to see who the original owner of the, t- of the team was, because uh, okay. I'm pretty sure there was an Islander connection to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I couldn't tell you, but I was just curious if, if their, if their anniversary, their 20th anniversary coincidentally fell in the same season or the same year as, um, doesn't look like it as, as the Islanders, but it, yeah, oh, well. it, it's just, <laughs> I guess just curiosity, curiosity, sure. curiosity. And, but, uh, you know, you hope there is sort of that that rolling out of the red carpet for the 50th yeah, anniversary. There will be. There will be. They're pushing it hard already. So if they don't, then it's going to be a little well, anticlimactic. When you go into the season, when 
<laughs> with, with the way the Islanders are, it's it's hard to kind of push anything else at the moment. This maybe the team comes out and surprises us. Who who the who the heck knows? They can. <laughs> we'll see if they will. We'll see if yeah. they will. But Christian, before we wrap it up, why don't we just talk about the RFA signings and the depth signings? And it was the RFA signings that finally brought Lou out of the summer hibernation and he finally addressed the microphones addressed the media talked about what the team did what the team didn't do why they didn't do it but we did get an announcement of three signings of noah dobson romanov and Kiefer bellows that's right all at what i would say are good good to find deals in the sense that i think you love getting noah dobson for three years at four mil after a 50 point season you think that those point totals are either going to stay around the same place or, dare I say, improve. And you get Romanov, two and a half, 22 years old. He's going to be a top four defenseman. Take that all day, assuming that he pans out and, and does what everybody thinks and hopes he's going to do. Right. And, you know, it's funny. I saw some grumbles about Bellow's contract. It's a <laughs> one-year deal. Right. He got a $300,000 raise. And... You know, I mean, it's so negligible. Like, who cares? It doesn't. It doesn't make any difference. If the guy doesn't pan out this year, you can you can wave him and send him back to right. Bridgeport. He gets claimed, whatever. I mean, it's such an easily moved contract. Like it, and and trust me, the the three hundred k raise that Bellows got had nothing to do with the Islanders not being able to make the cap space to bring somebody else it's in. So, so minuscule on the like, in the big picture. He was making like just under nine hundred thousand. He's at yeah. one point two. That's fine. And. And I and I said it. Uh, I've said it previously. I, I like the fact that he's betting on himself. I, yeah, after his press conference, he, he sounds very confident. He's betting on himself that you know he'll earn more after that one year. And if he doesn't, okay, cut ties. He's been with the organization for a few years now. He's a first round pick. Let's see what he can do. He's got to put it all on the table. But I think a lot of fans and myself included would have liked to seen a long term deal for Noah Dobson. I would have loved to have seen an eight year deal at you know maybe a number between six and seven mil. But I'll still take. Three years of four million—that'll help them in the in the short term as far as balancing the cap, managing the cap, and he'll still be an RFA. He'll still be under team control, and he'll cash in on the next contract, no doubt. But he'll have earned it, and that's fine. He'll be your top defenseman by then. And look again, Romanov—three years, two and a half, fine by me. Yeah, I mean, listen, those the pretty standard deals. I wasn't surprised that they went more bridge deal than. Then long-term contract yeah, with Noah they did the same thing with Pollock and yeah, Pollock. It was there was no surprise there. Romanov, fine deal, and then like you said about Bellos. I mean, if anyone's anyone's up in arms and thinking that Be- Kiefer Bellos took away a spot or took <laughs> away uh, an opportunity for the Islanders to get a big name free agent, they might uh, they might want to reconsider how how they did the math to understand where the Islanders' salary cap issues were. So uh, I have no issues with any of the contracts. I okay. think that they're they're. They're all fair. Um, you know, I, I didn't expect the Islanders to go in and, and sign Noah Dobson for a long-term deal. I just don't think that's the way the team has operated, even under previous administrations necessarily, mm. where uh, they would kind of go out and, and give a guy who's still kind of going out there and proving what he can do on a consistent basis that, that long-term deal. So none, none of it surprised me, and I think it was all kind of, you know, it was standard and, and – Again, it points to the silliness a little bit of, of the need to keep all these things so secretive because it was yeah, just like I don't, these contracts are really not going to make it make or break the Islanders off season. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, money wise, as far as we know, he's the only guy in the league who does it. Does it really help? I don't know. I don't. I mean, he thinks it does. That's fine. But you know, the the the, the bottom line is even even with all that secrecy, it, it didn't make a difference. It didn't, it didn't anybody. It didn't matter. It didn't even matter. 
But whatever. Lou, Lou, you do you. You do whatever you want. Just just ice a successful team. Pretty <laughs> that's, much. That's I mean, I that's, care about. that's, yeah, that's all what you I care want. About. You want you want those guys to pan out and, and for Dobson to earn that that longer term contract going forward and um listen you know those those are going to be such important guys that they they it gives them a little bit more incentive to be even more impactful if you will sure Dobson's going to want that longer term contract yeah, at some point Romanoff Romanoff's going to want to prove that he can he can kind of be that that player that everyone expects him to be at the at the right. NHL level for right. a consistent basis and Kiefer Bellis I mean he's a guy that has kind of been on the bubble for two straight years now yep. and I'm sure he's just tired of being in that scenario and being right. being that guy that is he is he going to really be able to make an impact? Is he going to be able to make an impact? What where is his game at? And and kind of I'm sure he's sick and tired too of being on the outs and then just trying to drag having to drag himself back into the conversation. <laughs> right. Right. Well, the last bit of news is the depth signings that they made. So, Christian, why don't you rattle off those names for us? Uh, oh, you mean the announced that uh, Dennis Chol- Cholowski? Cholowski, I would think. Arnaud Darnot. I don't know why you're making Darno. Darno, I guess. D-U-R-A-N-D-E-A-U. Durando. Durando. Yeah. And Paul Ledoux signed two-year, two-way contracts. Along with Hudson Fashing, he signed a one-year two-way contract. Okay, so some depth, depth signings. One of which is interesting, though, which is Chalovsky, former oh, first. Just, that's how we're going with it. Chalo- um, I am. Okay. It very well could be wrong. We might have to ring Doc Emmerich and ask him what the proper pronouncing <laughs> is. But we're going to go with that for now. But he's a former first-round pick of the Detroit Red Wings. He got a cup of coffee in the league nice we're just we just always like to fit sure that he played a little bit with the wings he played a little bit with the caps he played a little bit with the kraken but he hasn't been able to crack in a lineup full time wow. yeah i love really? that one right don't like it <laughs> i think that's almost as oh, bad as yeah. uh what was it a steph bomb or <laughs> steph bomb unbelievable uh, Two cringeworthy moments here on the show tonight. <laughs> but anyway, this. you know, was reading his 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 scouting report. Apparently, he's got a lot of mobility and skating ability as well, and he just hasn't been able to put a full game together. So maybe he's somebody who challenges for that. What's the matter? I'm I'm I, I don't know. I just don't. Uh, that's one name I'm not particularly going. Ah, oh, he might challenge for. Uh, Maybe he challenges for the bottom pairing left side with Salo and Ajo. Do I expect it? No, I said maybe. I said maybe. Former first round pick. The guy can skate. Who knows? But look, he's in, look. They need to have options if no, the guys know, get injured, right? But, so you might see him come up with the club. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. The Islanders love their their first round reclamation projects too. Thomas Hickey, oh, yeah. Matt Molson. Was P.A. Parento a first-rounder? I don't think so. He was just a reclamation project. Michael Grabner. Yeah. First-round reclamation. I mean, these are all under under Garth Snow, but, I mean, <laughs> the Islanders do love, in, in, in the past, they have loved their first-round pick reclamation project. So, who knows? And if he doesn't pan out, we'll all forget his name in about a month. <laughs> Two well, months. let's put doesn't... it this way. If we're getting, to, we're getting to having a conversation about him being, unless he's like, Blow, blow everyone away. <laughs> right, like comes into camp. Sidney yeah. Crosby, or not Sidney Crosby. He's, uh, you know, he's the Nicholas next, Lindstrom. He's the next coming of Nicholas Lindstrom, <laughs> or something like that. Uh, you know, I'll take back the faces and the yeah. The marks yeah you were very made, animated. But, very animated. Uh, I mean, if that's what we're getting to in, in, in camp, there's a serious, <laughs> there's a serious issue of of how things are progressing with All this right. with this team. Well, 
the Islanders signed him and a couple other yeah, guys. He's a guy that you'll they'll, see. They'll probably play for the Bridgeport Islanders, Bridgeport and that's Islanders. pretty much the extent of it. So that's that's the news. We're up to date now. Yeah, <laughs> New York Islander country again. For, forgive us if we're maybe a little late to the game here. I mean, it feels like the the news cycle moves pretty fast now. But uh, that's our coverage of it. Hope you enjoyed it. And we're gonna wrap up now. We are. <laughs> yeah. So, folks, once again, want to thank you for. Tuning in on your favorite podcast providers for this bonus edition of Hockey Night in New York. Big thanks to Stefan Rosser for hopping on with us of NYI Hockey Now. Once again, doing a much better job than Christian did when he was there. Wow, okay. Keep it up, Stefan. Fantastic stuff. He just doing that because he said nice things about you. Well, yes, and also because you're a heel. And you're not a nice person. What's a <laughs> That's just rude. So I am a nice person. You're all right. You're okay. We want to thank our sponsors, starting with R.J. Daniels American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center, the best place to catch the game when you can't make it to the game. Big thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, their flagship store. And, of course, brand-new shop, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and their staple location in UBS Arena, Belmont. Big thanks to Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company, providing phone services for businesses across the country. And a big thanks to Oyster Bay Brewing Company, located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay. Don't forget, you can get 15% off all their merchandise at OysterBayBrewing.com. You can follow Christian Arnold at C underscore Arnold 01 on the Twitter. You can follow myself at Shoney Hockey. You can follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So, folks, that's going to do it for tonight. As of right now, the plan is to come back around training camp time unless some news happens or maybe we get a special guest or something. We'll see, but we'll keep you guys informed on the social media. Thanks a lot for hanging out with us. Hope you guys have had a great summer. Guys, a month away, we're talking training camp. Woo! Skates back on the ice. Going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to hang with you. Thanks so much. We will see you next time. Bye.